نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد Today then we move on to the section that discusses the books that were written about fabricated narrations. Books that compiled fabricated narrations in them in order to highlight to the people that these are fabricated narrations. So these types of books, هي الكتب التي تجمع الأحاديث الموضوعة المكذوبة مع بيان وضعها ومن وضعها غالبا وهي في الغالب مرتبة على الكتب والأبواب So these kinds of books are the ones that collect all of the fabricated narrations all of those lies and they clarify the nature of their fabrication and who fabricated them and these these kinds of books are usually organized on chapters they have distinct sections books and chapters and subsections they are normally organized in that manner i'tana as-salaf fi ma i'tanaw bihi bayan al-ahadith al-mawdu'a المكذوبة على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والنهي عن روايتها وكشف أحوال الكذابين والتحذير من الاستماع إليهم أو الرواية عنهم So the Salaf they gave importance to highlighting what these fabricated narrations are these lies upon the Prophet ﷺ, they gave importance to highlighting what these fabricated narrations are and prohibited anyone narrating them as a hadith. And they exposed the liars who were fabricating these narrations and they warned people from listening to them or narrating from them. لكن هذا كله كان فيما قبل القرن الخامس منثورا ومفرقا في كتب الرجال والعلل وغيرها But all of that from the salaf highlighting the fabricated narrations highlighting the fabricators those liars in the chains of narration highlighting all of these details it wasn't in separate independent books it was all over the place in various different books before the fifth century it was uh, separated and spread across various different books these details about fabricated narrations about narrators who were liars in the biography books etc so these types of details were spread out in the various books there weren't any specific, specialized books on the topic of fabricated narrations. That didn't exist initially. 
it was initially just spread in amongst the other books in within their contents. So, for example, uh, the book of Imam Ahmed, Al-Ilal wa Ma'rifatul Rijal, Al-Ilal wa Ma'rifatul Rijal. Similarly, Al-Hafiz Ibn Ma'in, Al-Tariq, and similarly, Al-Kamil of Ibn Adi, Al-Du'afa, the famous book Al-Du'afa of Al-Uqili. But then, after the fifth century, is when the scholars then began to specialize books onto the topic. When they began to then specialize these uh, books onto this topic, so they collected that information regarding fabricated narrations from this book, from that book, about the narrators who used to fabricate from this book, from that book, and they put them together into specific books, so that you could then use them and see and get details regarding fabricated narrations. That's not a hadith. And this narrator and that narrator, they were liars. It was then all into that one book. So, there were some of these books that were written. Uh, from examples of these books, one of the famous ones is al Mawdu'at. Known as Al Mawdu'at, the fabricated narrations, Al Mawdu'at of Ibn al Jawzi, who died in 597 Hijri. Al Mawdu'at of Ibn al Jawzi, who died in 597. There are others that were known by very similar titles. There was another book known as Al Mawdu'at of Abu Sa'id Muhammad ibn Ali ibn Amr al-Asbahani but that one isn't printed that one uh, does not appear to have been printed unless there is something which has come about in the last few years it is not a book that is known to be printed otherwise the other one of Ibn al-Jawzi that is available printed that can be purchased also there are other examples like Ahadith al-Qussas Narrations of those storytellers Where they used to narrate fabricated narrations And that book Ahadith al-Qussas Is of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah Who died in 728 Hijri And that's printed and can be found There is another famous one Al-La'ali al-Masnu'ah Fil-Ahadith al-Mawdu'ah and that is of Al-Imam As-Suyuti, who died in 911 Hijri. Other examples, Al-Nukat, Al-Badi'at, Fil-Ahadith, Al-Mawdu'at, also of As-Suyuti. Wahuwa ta'aqqubat ala ibn al-Jawzi fi kitabihi al-Mawdu'at. And this book, Al-Nukat al-Badi'at of As-Suyuti, it is like annotations and uh, points to note that he highlighted from the book of Ibn al-Jawzi. It is as though he was commenting on the book of Ibn al-Jawzi and highlighting points, etc. from the book of Ibn al-Jawzi. Also you have Al-Fawaid al-Majmu'ah fil-Ahadith al-Mawdu'ah of Muhammad ibn Yusuf ibn Ali al-Shami died in 942 Hijri and again that one 
unless it's been printed in the last few years, again, it's not one that is known to be printed otherwise. Uh, you also have from the recent ones, Tadhkiratul Mawdu'at, Muhammad ibn Tahir, Al-Fattani, who died in 986 Hijri, and that one is printed. Uh, and from the latest ones, an example, Al-Fawaid Al-Majmu'a, Filahadith Al-Mawdu'a, the collected benefits from those fabricated narrations, uh, and that is of Ash-Shawkani. 1255 Hijri he died, and that one is printed and available too. So those are just some examples. The particular example that we're going to focus in on is the famous one of Ibn al-Jawzi. Kitabul al-Mawdu'at of Ibn al-Jawzi. The book of fabrications, fabricated narrations of Ibn al-Jawzi. The author is Jamaluddin Abdul Rahman ibn Ali ibn al-Jawzi, born in the year 510 Hijri. Born in the year 510 Hijri and died in the year 597 Hijri. His book then, what was the topic of his book and what was the core of his book? جَمَعَ الْأَحَدِيثَ الْمَكْذُوبَةَ الْمَسْنُوعَةَ مَعَ بَيَانِ حَالِهَا وَحَالِ مَنْ اتُّهِمَ بِوَضْعِهَا مُرَتَّبًا عَلَى الْكُتُبِ وَالْأَبْوَابِ He collects fabricated hadith, all the hadith that is found, people narrating them in their books here, there, everywhere, collected, fabricated hadith, those that were lies upon the Prophet wasallam collected them into his book, clarified the nature of the fabrication of each narration, clarified the nature of the fabrication, and also clarified and spoke about the narrators in those chains who were accused of that fabrication. And so he spoke about them and their state. And his whole book was organized, it wasn't just random hadith everywhere, they were organized into topics and chapters and subsections. So you can look at a hadith. Maybe it's a fabricated hadith about wudu. So you could go to the relevant section and try and find it. وَقَالَ الْمُؤَلِّفُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ فِي الْمُقَدِّمَةِ He himself said in his introduction, Ibn al-Jawzi said, أَمَّا بَعَدْ فَإِنَّ بَعَضَ طُلَّابِ الْحَدِيثِ أَلَحَّ عَلَيَّ أَنْ أَجْمَعَ لَهُ الْأَحَدِيثَ الْمَوْضُوعَةِ he says, some of the students of hadith, some of the students of hadith, they insisted, they were يعني, pressurizing me, insisting that I collect uh, and make a compilation for them of fabricated narrations. And that I clarified to them the nature of this fabrication, why it's a fabrication, what is the cause and reason, and how do we know it's fabricated. He said, so when these students, they came to me and they were insisting that I put this book together so that they would have knowledge of what those fabricated narrations are so they wouldn't fall into them. And they'd have knowledge of who these narrators are that were liars and fabricators. 
He said, when the students came and they were insisting I do it, I realized uh, and I considered and I thought that this was something needed to help the students, to give them that knowledge for what they are requesting, especially when there are so few students, that it is something that needed to be done for me to produce this for them, for those few students of knowledge, uh, and that they have this knowledge then. لا سيما علم النقل He said especially when the knowledge of narrations and hadith was little and the students who were experts in that and going deep into that were little so the fact that they were asking for this he said I thought I do need to give it to them I need to produce this for them and he mentions فَإِنَّهُ قَدْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْهُ بِالْكُلِّيَّةِ وَكَثِيرًا مِنْ الْقِصَّاسِ يَرْوُونَ الْمَوْضُوعَاتِ uh, and on top of that, many of these storytellers, they were narrating fabricated narrations here, there, everywhere. So these fabricated narrations were getting spread amongst the people. To the extent that some people, those who delve into worship and they don't really gain knowledge properly, they were taking these fabricated narrations as though they are authentic and doing what they were saying. Maybe there were narrations about do this worship, do that worship, and they were doing it all. So it was becoming widespread amongst the people. And then he says that there are some chapters and sections that I'm going to write here first uh, as an introduction leading into the book, and these chapters will be the basis of it. So that's what Ibn al-Jawzi mentioned as the reason why he wrote the book in the first place. To help those students of knowledge who were serious, they wanted that knowledge. They were asking their shaykh to produce that book for them. And so he said, I saw that it was important to do that. Especially when there are only a few students, they need that knowledge. And especially in the knowledge of hadith. So what does Ibn al-Jawzi do exactly in his book? قدم لكتابه رحمه الله بمقدمة نفيسة اشتملت على He began his book with an introduction. He wrote an introduction to his book. And in that introduction there were certain subsections. One of them was فضل هذه الأمة ومنزلتها A chapter or a subsection talking about the virtue of this ummah. The virtue of this ummah and the status of this ummah. Another subsection was about the virtue of the scholars that have gone by. Virtues of the scholars that have gone by. Another subsection, ذَكَرَ أَقْسَامَ الْحَدِيثِ فَجَعَلَهَا سِتَّتْ أَعْلَاهَا فَجَعَلَهَا سِتَّتْ أَعْلَاهَا الصَّحِيحِ الْمُتَّفَقْ عَلَيْهِ وَأَدْنَاهَا الْمَوْضُوعِ in another section, he highlighted the categorization of hadith. And he categorized them into six categories. The top end was sahih, the authentic narrations. The bottom category was going slowly down one by one up until the bottom category, the fabricated narrations. So in one section, he highlighted that. And in another section... تَكَلَّمَ عَنْ أَقْسَامِ الْوَضَّعِينَ وَفَصَّلَ الْقَوْلَ عَنْ كُلِّ قِسْمِ He spoke about the different types of fabricators. The narrators who used to fabricate, they were all different. 
different levels, different types, etc. So he spoke about the different narrators who used to fabricate and mentioned a little bit about the different types of those narrators. And then, and that was all really one section of the book with those subsections. Then in another section of the book now, التمهيد لأحاديث الكتاب أربعة أبواب That so far, everything we mentioned, those four subsections, they were the initial section, initial part. Then in another part of the book now, another section of the book now, he begins to talk about narrations, about hadith, and he mentions four chapters here. The first chapter about the dispraiseworthiness and criticism of lying highlights the evil of lying as a chapter. And that's good because obviously these narrations are now fabricated and lies. So you need to understand the severity of lying and the severity of fabricating. So there is a chapter where he speaks about the dispraiseworthiness and the disparagement of lying. <clears throat> In another subsection, he talks about the narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where the Prophet said, مَنْ كَذَبَ عَلَيَّ مُتَعَمِّدًا فَلْيَتَبَوَّأَ مَقْعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ Whomsoever lies upon me on purpose, then let him prepare or take his seat in the hellfire. Whomsoever lies upon me on purpose, then let him prepare or take his seat in the hellfire. So in one section he talks about that narration and the meaning of that narration which obviously refutes and highlights the impermissibility of fabricating and lying upon the Prophet And not only just the explanation of it, but he highlighted all of the chains of narration of that hadith and the narrators, etc. In another section, he speaks about criticizing narrators, the topic of criticizing narrators, and the need for disparagement on certain narrators. It's got to be done. Certain narrators, they are weak, they are fabricators maybe. So there is a section where he talks about this need for and this topic of criticizing and disparaging narrators. And warning against taking narrations from liars and from unknowns. From liars and from unknowns. And that really it is completely relevant to our situation today. He has a section where he talks about, he warns against taking knowledge from liars, that's obvious, and unknowns too. And this was what? In the 5th century. This was centuries ago, a thousand years ago almost, when he was talking about these topics. These days it fully applies exactly the same. Do not take knowledge from liars, those who are known as liars, and do not take knowledge from unknowns. Unknowns are all over the place these days. On social media, everywhere on the various platforms, they are all unknowns. No background to them, no history of teaching 
all of a sudden just pop up onto social media and they start releasing classes and lessons and lectures and who are they, what's their background, have they been teaching before, suddenly out of the blue, never taught anything, no history of teaching, no year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, suddenly just popped up, now they're a sheikh. Unknowns everywhere. You do not take your knowledge from unknowns in this way. You don't take your knowledge from random people on social media. You don't take your knowledge from random messages that go around. You don't take knowledge except from the trustworthy sources, from the students of knowledge, from the scholars. Students of knowledge and scholars. You don't even take translations until you know who has translated it. You don't even take random messages that are being forwarded in English and they are supposed to have been translated from something until you know who translated it. Who exactly translated it? Are they a capable translator? Are they somebody who has ability to translate? Translation isn't just about knowing the two languages even. It's not just about knowing the two languages. As Shaykh al he mentioned with translations... The person obviously has to know the two languages, but it's not just that. Just because you know Arabic and English, for example, doesn't mean you can translate. As Shaykh al mentioned, it requires trustworthiness from that person, that he be somebody upright and trustworthy. If it's a liar who knows Arabic and English, then you don't take his translations. Even if he knows the two languages and can translate, if he's somebody untrustworthy with no honor, you don't take his translations. He's a mubtadi' an innovator, you're not going to take his translations. On top of that, has to be somebody who has knowledge of what they are translating. So somebody could know Arabic and they could know English properly, but they've never studied fiqh. That person can't go and translate a book of fiqh. Somebody could know Arabic and English properly, but they've never studied, for example, books of aqidah, wasatiyah, tahawiyah. They can't just pick up wasatiyah and tahawiyah and start translating them. Even if they know Arabic and English, because they don't know the subject and the content of what they are translating. As Shaykh al said, you've got to have knowledge of the material, not just knowledge of the languages. Having knowledge of Arabic and English, obviously you need that. But that isn't enough to translate. You need to have on top of that your trustworthiness, etc. But also knowledge of the material. You have to know what this is about, this book in Aqeedah, this book about the prayer, this book about fiqh, this book about Ramadan. You have to have knowledge of that material. Without the knowledge of the material, even if you know Arabic and English, you could look into that and translate it and make a hundred mistakes because you're not understanding what is being meant here and what is being meant there. So there are various things you have to look into. You don't blindly just take knowledge from any unknown who comes up, somebody translates an article, writes a name at the bottom, you have no idea who that is. Or they don't even write names sometimes, they'll just write uh, the name of an organization. Who in that organization has translated this document? An organization by itself isn't sufficient either. Unless there are known to be students of knowledge in that organization, and you know it is those students who are translating for the organization, then okay. But if somebody just comes along with some general title, some general da'wa uk.com, who is da'wa uk.com translating these? For example, or some other name of some place or some 
da'wa uh, or a general title and then translations. Who is actually translating? Are they people who have knowledge of the material or not? Are they people who have knowledge of the languages or not? So you have to be very careful. You don't blindly just take anything from unknowns. Has to be taken from the correct sources, especially when it comes to knowledge-based materials where people are putting forward knowledge and everybody wants to put that forward these days. They all want to put forward knowledge. Twitter accounts popping up from everybody, don't know who they are and they're putting benefits onto their account. Putting benefits onto their account. How are they getting these benefits? Where are they getting them from? Are they translating them accurately? No idea, just some random person and they want to push benefits on their account. Or they open up a Telegram account and they want to push benefits on it. Who is the person who's opened it up? Who are they organized? Do they understand what they are promoting? What's happening? Where they're getting the benefits from? Are they understanding the materials? What they're promoting and pushing? Who knows? So you don't randomly just take knowledge from anywhere. Not randomly on social media like that. Stick to the known scholars, to the known students of knowledge, and that is sufficient. And then, of course, those who are... Uh, recognized in terms of organizations that have students of knowledge with them, then of course, if they put something out in their name, you know they have students of knowledge there. So for example, now if you have Salafi Publications puts out a document and says, translated by Salafi Publications, you know there are students there, students, graduates, people studied in Medina, Yemen, other places, trustworthy. Germantown puts out a document, for example, and writes on it, translated by Germantown. For example, you know, there are students there, there are graduates there, there are people who are, have studied and been abroad and been with the scholars. You know, it's trustworthy. But somebody comes along, Dawa UK or some other random name, who is translating those documents for them? Who, who's, who is the student behind that? Are there students of knowledge even there? So you have to be careful where you take the knowledge from. He says here, the warning against taking from liars and from unknowns. And then there's another chapter he has in the book. Uh, and in this chapter of the book, uh, it is the core of the book where he collects all of the ahadith and organizes them upon chapters. And he has 50 chapters or 50 main sections in the book, 50 books within the book. Easier perhaps to understand it as 50 chapters in the book. وَقَالَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ فِي مُقَدِّمَتِهِ فَأَنَا أُرَتِّبُ هَذَا الْكِتَابَ كُتُبًا تَشْتَمِلُ عَلَىٰ أَبْوَابِ فَأَذْكُرُهَا عَلَىٰ تَرْتِيبِ الْكُتُبِ الْمُصَنَّفَةِ فِي الْفِقْهِ لِيَسْهُلَ الطَّلَبْ عَلَىٰ طَالِبِ الْحَدِيثِ He said, so I am going to organize this book upon various books. Remember we said, they used to write their book. Within this book, there would be books. And then within each book, there would be chapters. So it's like, in the easier way to understand for people, you have your book and you have chapters. And each chapter has sub-chapters. So he said, I'm going to organize it like this upon sections. And under each section, there are subsections, And they're going to be organized upon the chapters of fiqh, so that it's easy for people to find things. وَأَذْكُرُ كُلَّ حَدِيثٍ بِإِسْنَادِهِ وَأُبَيِّنُ عِلَّتَهُ وَالْمُتَّهَمُ بِهِ And he says, I mention every hadith with its chain of narration, and I clarify where the problem is. 
the source of the fabrication, etc. And I clarify who the narrator or narrators are that are being accused of fabrication in this chain. I clarify all of that. تنزيهاً لشريعتنا عن المحال وتحذيراً من العمل بما ليس مشروع In order to keep the sharia, keep the legislation, the religion safeguarded essentially. To keep it safeguarded from that which is false, from that which is not to be acted upon, from these fabrications and narrations that they made up, to safeguard the religion from all of that. To put it all down, put those narrations down so people can see they are fabricated and so when they come across them they know and they don't act upon them and they discard them. What did the scholars say about his book then? The scholars they mentioned. Al-Imam Al-Suyuti for example. He said, وَقَدْ نَبَّهَ الْحُفَّاظِ قَدِيمًا وَحَدِيثًا عَلَىٰ أَنَّا فِيهِ تَسَاهُولًا كَثِيرًا وَأَحَدِيثْ لَيْسَتْ بِمَوْضُوعَةِ بَلْ هِيَ مِنْ وَادِ الضَّعِيفِ وَفِيهِ أَحَدِيثْ حِسَانٍ وَأُخْرَى صَحَاحٍ بَلْ وَفِيهِ حَدِيثٍ مِنْ صَحِيحٍ مُسْلِمٍ نبه عليه الحافظ ابن حجر ثم قال إن تساهله وتساهل الحاكم أعدم النفع أعدم النفع بكتابهما. الإمام السيوطي he mentioned regarding this book of Ibn al-Jawzi. He said that الحافظ ابن حجر had mentioned or not just Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, various scholars, he said various scholars from the past and present have mentioned that there is some level of slackness in the book of Ibn al-Jawzi. Slackness meaning that he included some narrations in there as fabrications when they were actually not fabrications. That there are some narrations that were only maybe da'if, weak. Not to the level of fabrication. So they said there are some issues like that where he maybe included some narrations as fabrications. Whereas in reality they were only at the level of weak. Or even some of them that were at the level of hasan, higher than weak. Hasan, they were actually good, acceptable. And he labeled them as fabricated. And he mentions that Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar said there is even one hadith in there which is actually from Sahih Muslim that he's ended up putting into there. So the scholars, they mention there are some issues there with regards to the slackness on some of the materials in the book that they are not necessarily fabricated. Some of them were okay, they were acceptable. Some of them may be weak, but still not to the level of fabricated. So some of the scholars said there is that little bit of an issue with some of the material, some of the narrations that he put in there. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, إِنَّ الْمَوْضُوعَ 
في الصلاح أبي الفرج هو الذي قام دليل على أنه باطل Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said that the fabricated narrations the fabricated narrations according to Ibn al-Jawzi are the ones that are proven to be false. They are proven to be false. وَإِنْ كَانَ الْمُحَدِّثُ بِهِ لَمْ يَتَعَمَّدِ الْكَذِبِ بَالْغَلِطَ فِي Even if the narrator didn't intend to fabricate but had made a mistake. Even if the narrator had just made a mistake, the fact is that the narration was false, and so he included it as a fabricated narration. It doesn't mean it was only narrators who were purposely lying and fabricating. Even the ones who made mistakes and narrated something which was actually a fabrication, he included those in there too. And so, رَوَى فِي كِتَابِهِ فِي الْمَوْضُعَاتِ أَحَدِيثِ كَثِيرًا مِنْ هَذَا النَّوْعِ there are many narrations in his book which come under that category where the narrators didn't purposely fabricate them but by mistake they narrated them thinking they were okay and they were actually fabricated. وَقَدْ نَازَعَهُ طَائِفَ مِنَ الْعُلَمَا فِي كَثِيرٍ مِمَّا ذَكَرَهُ And Shaykh al-Islam said there are many scholars who debated or they had an issue with some of the narrations or many of the narrations that Ibn al-Jawzi included as fabricated وَقَالُوا إِنَّهُ مِمَّا لَمْ يَقُمْ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى أَنَّهُ بَاطِلٌ بَلْ بَيَّنُوا ثُبُوتَ بَعْضِ ذَلِكَ And some of the scholars they said, some of these narrations don't have any proof that they are false. There is nothing clear cut that this narration is false. And so they said some of the narrations Ibn al-Jawzi put in there cannot be considered as fabricated. And they actually showed that some of those narrations are actually acceptable. They are acceptable, some of them. لَكِنِ الْغَالِبِ عَلَى مَا ذَكَرَهُ فِي الْمَضُوعَاتِ أَنَّهُ بَاطِلْ بِاتِّفَاقِ الْعُلَمَاءِ But Shaykh al-Islam said, the majority of the book though, the majority of the book of Ibn al-Jawzi is, as he said, they are fabricated narrations. He got it right with the majority of the book. But there are sections, there are ahadith, there are narrations that he included as fabricated, but many other scholars disputed and even proved that some of them are actually okay and acceptable. So that has to be something that you bear in mind when it comes to the mawdu'at of Ibn al-Jawzi. So that is a brief overview regarding the fact that there were books written on fabricated narrations. It was for the purpose of educating the people, educating the students of knowledge, they would have access to these fabricated narrations, access to narrators who fabricated. They would have all of these details together in a single book. Whereas before that, like we said, the knowledge existed. Fabricated narrations, they were known to the scholars before these are fabricated. And the fabricators, the narrators who lied and fabricated, they were known to the scholars before. But that knowledge that was known before was just mentioned in and amongst, spread in all sorts of books everywhere. In the 5th, 6th century onwards, scholars began to extract all of that information about fabricated narrations and specify it into particular independent books. So that's one type of book that you will find uh, in the Islamic library. Then after that, we move on to another type of books. 
And these are now the books regarding rulings. The books regarding the rulings. And what that means is, Al-Kutub Al-Lati Ishtamalat Ala Ahadith Al-Ahkam Murattaba Ala Al-Abwab Al-Faqhiyya Wahiya Ahadith Intaqaha Mu'allifu Hadhihi Al-Kutub Min Al-Musannafat Al-Hadithiyya Al-Usul Waratabuha Ala Abwab Al-Faqh Another type of book which is available Another type of book that is useful and used by the students of knowledge, by the scholars, are books related to rulings. Rulings on different acts of worship, uh, rulings on how to do this, how to do that, the sunnah way to do this, to do that, in different types of worship, prayer, fasting, zakat, the rulings on how to do all of the various things and the various worships. So these are books that included those types of narrations in them. And these are books that were organized on the chapters, chapter of prayer, chapter or the book of prayer, the book of wudu, the book of purification, the book of uh, zakat, of fasting, of hajj, etc. And where did these scholars who wrote these kinds of books get those hadith from? From the previous books that were out there. But remember, like we said in the olden days, in the early centuries, books weren't designated for a particular purpose. They were more widespread with the narrations that were in there. So they would go and select out of them the narrations about the prayer, about the wudu, about this, about that. Select all of those narrations out of those previous books and then make these specific books about fiqh. Hadith about fiqh. Examples of that, some of the famous examples of these types of books. Uh, you have Al-Ahkam Al-Kubra of Abu Muhammad Abdul Haq Ibn Abdul Rahman Al-Ashbili Al-Ma'aruf Ibn Al-Kharraq died in 581 in six volumes that is. You have for example Umdatul Ahkam, famous Umdatul Ahkam عن سيد الأنام the عمدة الأحكام the, the pillars of the rulings عمدة الأحكام like the pillars and the core of the rulings from سيد الأنام from the سيد of mankind from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and that is by تقي الدين أبو محمد عبد الغني المقدسي uh, and he died in 600 Hijri and that is available in two volumes, available in the shops now in two volumes. There is actually an explanation of Umdat al-Ihkam written by Ibn Daqiq al-Eid. Ihkam al-Ihkam, Sharh Umdat al-Ihkam. And that is also available in two volumes. Uh, and I think even in one volume there is a print of it as well. So an explanation of Imdat al-Ihkam of Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, who died in 702 Hijri. Um, there are actually other explanations of Imdat al-Ihkam available too. The explanation of Ibn al-Mulaqqin, uh, who died in 804 Hijri. His is called Al-I'lam bi-Fawaid Imdat al-Ihkam. There is another explanation by Al-Fayrozabadi. Al-Fayrozabadi. Who died in 817 Hijri, 
Uh, and that one, again, unless it's been printed recently, it's not one that is available in printed format, uh, available to purchase otherwise. Uh, another one is, for example, Al-Ahkam Al-Kubra, written by Majduddin Abdus Salam ibn Taymiyyah, who died in 653 Hijri. This is not... Ibn Taymiyyah famously, this is Majduddin Abdus Salam Ibn Abdullah Ibn Taymiyyah who died in 653 Hijri. Um, there is also Al Muntaqa Min Akhbar Al Mustafa also Majduddin Ibn Taymiyyah. Uh, and there are several others. In that category, there are many, in fact. There are so many in this category. A few of the others will quickly just run over them as well and mention them. Uh, there is, for example, Ghayatul Ihkam Li'ahadith Al-Ahkam of Muhibbuddin Ahmad ibn Abdullah Al-Tabari, died in 694 Hijri, this one. There is Al-Ilmam. في أحاديث الأحكام and that one is by Ibn Daqiq Al-Eid uh, there are others for example المحرر في أحاديث الأحكام للحافظ شمس الدين محمد بن أحمد بن قدامة المقدسي المعروف بابن عبد الهادي died in 744 Hijri and that is the one which is curriculum in the University of Medina in the faculty of Hadith المحرر Written by Ibn Abdul Hadi, died in 744 Hijri. Uh, another famous one, very famous one, written by, of course, Ibn Hajar al Asqalani, died in 852 Hijri. And that one has many explanations done by the scholars. The one that we often use in our classes is the explanation of a Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, in seven volumes. And there are other explanations, many explanations done regarding Bulughul Maram. So that is just a selection of books on that topic. There are many books, and they call these the books of fiqh upon hadith. They are books of hadith. When you open them up, it's just hadith after hadith after hadith. But all of those hadith are related to fiqh. Chapters of fiqh. So they say this is fiqh upon hadith. Because it is books of hadith, but they are hadith about fiqh. So there are many books like that on that topic. So you can go and check about wudu, about prayer, about hajj, about zakat, about all of the different topics. You can go into those books and all the hadith from the sunnah will be there in the chapters regarding those particular topics you're looking for. That's the one we'll end on today. Next week, we'll talk about some of the other types of books. And the one that we'll begin with is Kutub Gharibul Hadith. Or Gharibul Hadith. In Hadith, sometimes there are words of Arabic that they used to use in those days that the Prophet ﷺ used that are very difficult to understand. Some of the scholars wrote books explaining those extremely <coughs> difficult words in hadith. What does this word mean? It's not something known. Arabs don't use it hardly, especially these days. What is the intent of that word? There are scholars who have written books picking out those difficult words in hadith and explaining them. So we'll have a look at some of those. Inshallah, we'll begin with that next time. 
the books regarding those uh, uh, difficult and complex uh, words in hadith and we'll give an example uh, or a couple of examples of those books too inshallah ta'ala so we'll round off on that for today